0: welcome to the decades of strength podcast we are sam marcy sarah and kim and we are four women on one mission we are obsessed with empowering women to gain confidence build strength and ditch feelings of unworthiness releasing the shame around your struggles is hard work especially if you feel alone And so we wanted to create this podcast as a way to unite women of all ages, from all locations, all sizes and shapes, and really just want to invite you to sit
1: at our table. Come as you are, health and fitness is for everybody. And we're here to remind you that you belong, you matter, you are brave, you are capable, you are deserving of success. Maybe right now you don't truly believe those things and that's okay. When we first got started, we didn't either.
2: But we promise that each episode, we will show up vulnerably. We want you to realize your potential and the truth of who you really are. We will help you step into success and acknowledge that the power already lies within you.
3: If you love this podcast, please subscribe, review, and rate it on iTunes. Tag us in your stories on Instagram. Send this to your friends. Please, please, please just tell everyone about it. We are determined to have the biggest and the most inclusive community of women sitting at the picnic table together.
0: Welcome back to another episode of the Decades of Strength podcast. Today I am your host, Sam Altieri, and I have my wonderful fellow three lady co-hosts. We have Kim Schlag, Marcy Nevin, and Sarah Duff. Hey guys,
3: what's up? Hello, Hello, hello world. Hello everybody.
0: Woo! I'm so excited for today's topic, Um, self sabotage, which is kind of. I don't know. Do you guys think it's a scary word? It kind of feels like this, like
3: daunting, like ooh. Yeah, it sounds quite evil, like almost a little bit medieval, like self sabotage, and then like (laughs) people (laughs) on horses with like bats would come. Like (laughs) (laughs) the word itself has a dark cape.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) we want to we want to talk about this topic because it shows up everywhere. Like it shows up in our lives. It shows up in our clients' lives. It shows up in, I think, everyone's life. At some point, you have self-sabotaged and we all have had our own experiences with it too, which we're going to dive into. But First, I think we, um, we're we going to talk a little bit about what self-sabotage is and why it happens. And then we're going to share some examples of what we see our clients experiencing so that maybe you guys can relate and then understand how to break through your own sabotaging cycle. Um, so to start off, the concept of sabotage, basically, it's what happens when you know what you need to do, but you don't do it. You do something else instead. Maybe that's counter to your goal. or You know what you shouldn't do but you can't stop doing it for some reason and so it just persists and it Mm. perpetuates and you're trapped in the cycle so maybe for you it's binge eating which you know i think we've all probably had an experience with um maybe it's not sleeping at night maybe it's not setting boundaries maybe it's procrastinating maybe it's people pleasing um it could be eating because you think you deserve it because you've made the progress maybe you're overwhelmed and you don't know how to deal with it. But instead of dealing with the overwhelm, you just complain about the overwhelm and don't actually address it. And maybe you eat to cope or whatever. So basically the idea is like there's an issue and you can't solve it because you don't know what's causing it. And that is the only reason why sabotage can exist is because it's reliant on the fact that you don't know why. So that being said, 95% of our thoughts are subconscious. So right now, if you are subconscious, if it's kind of running the show mostly in your brain, then you have to tap into that subconscious. Like, what are you doing on the habits? What are you doing unintentionally? What are those things? And so that's what we're going to kind of dig into today. So ladies, um, I want to hear some experiences maybe you've had with clients or, um, you know, people have come to you and and like, I just can't stop doing this. Or like, I know what I need to do, but I can't do it. Um, what are some of those things that you guys hear from your clients or from friends or, you know, even just in casual conversation? Um, Kim, why don't we start off with you?
2: Sure. Well, I'm going to share my section not clients. It's, um, potential clients and people who contact me in DMS to talk to me about, potentially coaching. And I have found a certain subset of people who they admit they need help, that they've tried lots of things on their own, that it hasn't gone well. And then they say to me, all right, I'm going to reach out to you again. Once I can prove to myself that I can stick with something for a while, once I've built up some good habits, once I've been able to be consistent, then I'll make this investment in myself of having you coach me. And I always kind of pause and look around the room quizzically, like, You literally just told me you struggle to stick with it. And you're going to wait until you've learned how to stick with things before you hire a coach who can help you learn how to stick with things. Like that <laughs> makes literally no sense. The piece that's missing for you is having somebody to help you stay consistent. And you're insisting to yourself that what you need is to show yourself you can be consistent before you deserve somebody to help you to be consistent. And so I, I look around quizzically and um, it's actually not something I've really found a good way to help somebody through yet. Um I'm still working on that to how to help them. I do make them aware of it. I do point out the discrepancy, you know, that flaw in their thinking. As of yet, it hasn't been something that they're like, I see what you're saying, Kim. (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and step forward and, you know, make this commitment to myself. I haven't had that happen yet.
0: Yeah. Well, I think too, it's like a good analogy is uh, because for me, like I wouldn't be able to understand that on the psychological level if there was no analogy or there was no metaphor to relate it to someone so it's it's almost like saying I got a flat tire and I need to go to the mechanic but I'm gonna try to learn how to fix the tire before I go to the mechanic and it's like (laughs) no like you need to go to the mechanic to fix my tire I'm not gonna pay
2: the mechanic to fix my tire until I've learned how to change a tire right right and it's like okay
0: but like you could save yourself a lot of hassle if you just did the thing you knew you needed to do you know <laughs> yeah so it's like making it doesn't have to be so hard that's that's part of the sabotaging is like thinking yes. it has to be this like really mm-hmm. difficult thing absolutely yeah um marcy what about you
1: all right so i'm gonna dig into the psychology a little i, bit love, more when, here.
0: I love when marcy's like she's like oh i'm ready i gotta find <laughs> a load of stuff she like takes a deep breath She's like, oh. <laughs> lay it on us, Marcy, lay it on Drap us. Wrap
1: babies. <laughs> <Care> <laughs> yourself. Take um, some notes. <laughs> so, so really, you know, what, what self-sabotage really comes down to is what you believe about yourself deep down and what you're capable of, what you're worthy of. And oftentimes, I think it goes all the way back to usually as young as childhood, where somebody said something to you, did something to you. Most often it comes from your primary caregiver. So it was your parents, maybe it was your grandparents, you know, whoever you spent the most time around when you were growing up and you were in that kind of subconscious hypnotic state. So if someone tells you, like if you were really outgoing and energetic and someone said, Oh no! Like good girls don't act like that. They, I don't know what the best example would be, but like they, they stay quiet and don't share they their. Stay opinions. quiet, yeah, you know, like then you're always going to feel like you have to dim your light. When it oh. comes to food, I often see it with people who grew up in a household where maybe you know there was like the clean plate club, so you had to clean your plate before you could get up and leave the table or before you could get dessert. And it's like that kind of scarcity mindset, things like that. But basically it's just the the belief systems that you have about yourself. And if you don't work through those, if you don't rewrite those stories, then you are going to sabotage because you don't think that you are capable of achieving success because you never have. So it's basically just this disconnect between what you want and who you really think that you are. So oftentimes it's it's really insidious and you don't even recognize that you're doing it because all of that stuff is buried so deep down within you. So it's like, yes, you're sabotaging and you may not even recognize or understand why, but it's always something deep down that you need to work through for sure. Uh, and I always say, you know, it's not like you wake up one day and say, fuck this, I'm gonna sabotage today, right? Like, I just wanna totally screw up my goals. Like, no one does that, but they still engage in these behaviors that aren't serving them. So, I will use an example of a client. Yeah. Before
0: you, before you dive into that, I actually just wanted to say one more thing before you give the example. I think sure. you made a good point about like childhood beliefs. So, mm-hmm. another thing is like, over 60% of our beliefs and the thoughts we have about ourselves, like what we think we're worthy of or capable of, that happens before the age of six. So if you don't get a handle on the truth or what you actually think about yourself, like totally stripped down when you're alone, if someone was to ask you that and you haven't kind of worked through it, it's like those beliefs from when you were a little kid, like maybe you feel, felt like you didn't fit in or like you weren't good enough, right? Like you're. That's going to be kind of running the show, even Mm -hmm. if to the outside world and in your quote unquote adulthood, you're like, oh, I'm great. I'm good enough. You know, like, uh, you know, and it's like your ego will try to protect you in that way. But deep down the inner, inner child, like your little kid version of yourself is still kind of hurt. And so Like what you were saying, I just, it's like human, humans have two fundamental needs, which is to feel loved and to feel like seen, right? Or or heard, understood. And so with those two things, like you were saying, Marcy, I think it's just like, it's important to recognize like where this all comes from because we all have those two core needs, no matter yep. your age, your gender, your race, your background, where you live, you know, like anything, we all have the same two needs, so- Mm -hmm. I just wanted to kind of like give a little bit more context around us as humans and desires, because that will ultimately like what you think you are capable or worthy of achieving will show up in your results.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So an example that I had recently with a client, so she is in her early thirties, beautiful girl, you know, great personality, really outgoing, super fun, but she has been single for a really long time. And she's tried her hand at dating. So she's you know done the dating apps and all that just without a whole lot of success. But from the time that we started working together, she has been very hesitant to put herself out there in the dating world because she is not yet confident in her appearance. So she believes that she's not worthy of finding love because she still has weight to lose. And, you know, what I always try to tell her is people are much more attracted to your competence and your energy than they are your body size. So if you can just show up and, like, own your worth and be competent and engaging and interesting and all that, like, someone is going to be attracted to you, hands down. Uh, But we had a conversation a couple weeks ago where, and she was not telling me this. It's funny because I've been talking a lot on my stories and in my posts lately about like sneaking those extra bites, looks and tastes, which talk about like the number one way to sabotage your fat loss goal is to say that you're eating a certain amount, that you promise you're in a calorie deficit, and then be sneaking, you know, bites of food here and there and not logging them, not tracking it. And all those calories really add up. So I put up a post and she responded to it, you know, basically saying that she takes candy from the bowl in the office every time that she walks by. And I said, and have you been tracking it? No, I'm not tracking it. It's like, okay, <laughs> well, that's the whole reason we're doing this flexible dieting thing while you're tracking macros so that you can make those things fit. But as we continued to like dive a little bit deeper into why she's doing it and we went back to the whole issue with the dating, she was like subconsciously, it's like subconsciously, she does not want to lose the weight because she is scared of putting herself out there. She's scared of opening herself up to love and getting rejected, getting her getting her heart broken. So it's like she continues to take one step forward. You know, maybe she'll track for a week. She'll go to the gym. And then subconsciously, again, like it's never intentional. It's always something like this program that's running in the back of our head but she does something to put herself back to square one and i've also experienced this with and this is getting like really deep i know um clients who have maybe been like physically or sexually abused in the past and their weight is a protective mechanism so that they can't be seen so that they don't have to experience that again it's like if i am overweight no one's going to love me. No one's going to be attracted to me. So I will no longer have to, I'm not setting myself up to experience that pain. Yeah. So those yeah. are the two examples.
0: Yeah. I love, I mean, well, thank you for sharing those. I think part of it is like, our brain has only one real like job and that's just to keep us alive. And exactly. so in a, on a very like baseline like elementary level anything that's outside of our comfort zone is scary even if it's not going to harm us it's scary for our brain which is why it's hard to change Mm -hmm. so if your client right that was like struggling with dating if meeting someone is scary then her ego like you said is going to do things to keep her in her head like unattractive right or overweight or keep her in that space of You know, like, she doesn't maybe like herself right now or she's working on it, but it's more comfortable to not like where you're at than to go to a new space of success, which is why, like, you know, you often see people just, they're like, well, fuck it, you know, Mm -hmm. like, they kind of have that, that, that mindset because they don't actually, they don't want to make the shift into the change because it feels too scary. Uh huh. So for you, how did you, um how did you help her start to see that that was the issue? Like, typically it's like you just do make, like, maybe something really small
1: to to shift out of that? Or, like, how did you help her? Well, I, I think I just kind of finally started to connect the dots, you know? Because knowing her now for, oh gosh, close to a year and just seeing, like, her kind of ebbs and flows and how she'll be on track and she gets off track and then knowing all of this about, her dating life and how she says that she wants to meet somebody but every time she you know gets close to or starts to lose weight something like this happens i just had to ask the question and when i did it's so funny when you ask the question people like they like go silent <laughs> yeah. like oh wow like it's so powerful i know it happened when you and i were talking last year sam yeah you go sure. silent and you start to cry yeah. So yeah, that awareness is is really the first step.
0: Yeah, Sarah. What about you? What have you kind of shot, uh, shined? Is that the right word? Shined, shined? sheen,
2: shined, shined, shined or sheen. Shined or sheen. <laughs> what have you
3: sheen lately? <laughs> I've sheen. I have sheen. Well, I have sheen all of the things that Marcy and Kim um, have mentioned and. I have kind of come to the conclusion that a lot of self self sabotage stems from pure and utter fear um which is obviously what you were just saying in that it is kind of the defense mechanism to try and keep you safe from the unknown and from you know changing and committing to doing something or I recently had a girl reach out to me in um for a coaching inquiry We got on the phone, we went through the whole process and she was like, I, I, you know, I really, I need to get out of this situation I'm in. You know, I can see that my life is passing me by. I can feel it's wasting, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we get to the we get to the end of the call and then she's like, yeah, but I just don't think I I just don't think I could do it now. So I just I just said to her, you do know that like this is this is fear holding you back. And the good acronym for fear is false evidence appearing real. So She had all of these stories playing out in her head of what she thought was going to be at the other side of, you know, the in the unknown um space that were basically you know not true there was no evidence for them but they were definitely and still are going to keep her stuck because it's it's too it's too difficult to accept that actually stepping into that fear is the thing that's going to get you out of your current situation and out of the kind of repeating the same cycle of of self-sabotage yeah for sure what did um did did she end up just like seizing communication with you, or have you? So no, we. Funnily enough, I reached back out to her after Christmas, um, and we kind of have been talking again. And she has since admitted that she that she is literally petrified, literally petrified. She wants to. She she desperately wants to <laughs> do all of the things because she can see she can see what, what will happen if she doesn't take action, but she's absolutely petrified. So kind of the last bit of communication we had, I just kind of said to her, you know, I want you to sit down and actually just write out now, if you got to your deathbed conversation with yourself, in the exact situation that you are now, and this situation had continued for the rest of your life, nothing changed. I want you to write out how that conversation would go and how you would feel about it. Because if you don't, if you don't step into this fear, if you don't get past this, that is basically what is going to happen. And I know it may sound like that's a bit brutal, but at the end of the day, sometimes that's what you you have to do. You have to not think that, you know, you've always got tomorrow and you have to really like be, put your brave panties on and step into the fear to get past it and not let that be the thing that sabotages your whole life.
0: Yeah. I think every time, to be honest, like I think every time I heard that, in the past i'd be like i don't know how to fucking do that like stop preaching this like just break through fear you know you're like i don't know how to do it or else i would be freaking doing it and i think like for people listening uh, uh, maybe a, a like a way to reframe what sarah's saying too and like make it actionable is think about like the most courageous badass version of you what would that version of you do right now And so, like, that's a question I ask myself, and I also have my clients kind of ask if they're feeling, like you talked about, Sarah, like, unsafe or scared to change. It's like, you have to feel safe and supported, and, like, it's going to be okay to make the, whatever the shift is. And so, like, like, what would courage do? You know, like, courage would invest in Sarah, have faith that she's going to help her, right? Break through her binge eating or whatever the hell she's dealing with, right? And trust that, It's going to be okay, but she's probably just really fucking scared because she's failed every time before, you know, like she feels like she's never going to lose the weight. She's never going to break past it. And so it's like, it's like, I like to think of it as like, you need a, you need a burrito of like comfort and safety in order to step into the next thing. Like to, to make, to make that shift. You know, it's like, it's like driving on the highway without your uh, headlights on like that's fucking scary. You know, so, like, you need someone <laughs> to be the guiding light to to illuminate the path for you, and I think, like, for me, when Marcy and I um, had a conversation, like, a year and change ago about my own sabotaging tendencies, uh, when she asked me the question, like, why are you sabotaging? Like, who hurt you? And she she mentioned earlier, like, yeah, like, I started crying. It was, like, because... I realized I didn't even know I was doing it. And then I was like, oh my God, I have been getting in my own way. And that, that drop, like that dropping of the bomb, like, oh God, what a gut wrenching feeling. Like it's, it's almost icky, Like you're
1: just like, I, why, why, why am I doing this so long? <laughs> so Sam, you know, you make a really good point and I love using that, I guess, not analogy necessarily, but that question that you brought up like what would the most courageous the the highest level version of you do? and it's really easy to think of that and like envision it picture it in your mind, but it's a completely different thing to actually put it into action and do the thing yeah so when you work with your clients on stuff like this like how do you help them overcome that resistance to even taking the first step. Cause like, I know in my life there are things that I know I need to do and it's just like, but I really don't want to do it and I'm scared and like, I'm just going to put it off. I'll do it tomorrow. You know? Yeah. So what is your advice for overcoming that barrier and and taking the step for this first step to becoming that person and taking action? Yeah. Um,
0: Well, I think it's a great question. And it's like something I'm asking myself, too, as I'm, I was just talking to Marcy before this call, like about a a potential step I'm going to make in my own business, Um, like hiring a a very high level coach, which would be a very scary move. So, um, but I think the first thing is like getting really clear on what you want. So that is like numero uno for any type of change. Like, What do you want? Do you want to stop binge eating? Do you want to grow your business? Do you want to lose 20 pounds? Do you like, what do you want? And get really, really clear on what it is that you want. Like very, very, very clear. Just when you think it's clear, make it even more clear. Um, And then getting clear on why you want that thing. So like some questions I have my clients ask themselves is, okay, what do you want? Why do you want it? And then How long have you wanted it? And right now, not having that thing, what is it costing you? And like, what is it costing others? All right, so Mm -hmm. if it's losing weight, they want to lose weight. Their why is, oh, I want to wear a bikini. And then I ask them, like, why? Like, they want to feel confident. Why? I want to feel great and whatever. I want to be able to show up in any social situation and feel my best. Okay, cool. What is not losing the weight costing you? And it's like, um you know, I don't speak up, I don't go to certain social events, I don't wear the clothes I want to wear because I don't feel good enough to wear them, um, I'm self-conscious when I have sex, I don't want to date, uh, like all these things. It's, it affects so many areas of their life, like maybe they don't talk to their boss about something because they don't feel like significant enough or confident enough to do it. And so when you can see all of the things that are kind of holding you back, then you can see like just how important it is to make the change. And so I'd say like to answer your question, Marcy, I think the first thing is, okay, what's the goal? And then what is the smallest, the literal smallest thing that you can do today, not tomorrow, but literally today, like right now in order to get you closer to your goal. So Mm -hmm. if your goal is losing weight, what can you do today? So some of those things could be eating some more vegetables, going for a walk, going to work out, lifting some weights, right? Like calculating your calories. That just requires a calculator in your fucking fingertip. You can calculate your calories, you know? So it's like, that's, a, that's a step, that's an action step and that's momentum. And so all you need really is that first step. Right. And then I I think you need qualified support. Like you need some support. So whether it be a coach, um, someone that like a mentor, someone that's not your family, someone that's not your friends, someone that is qualified to help you get to the place you want to be. Because your friend's going to let you off the hook and make you want to feel good. Like your family just wants you to feel good and wants you to be happy. And you have to, and well, you have to kind of go through that little bit of discomfort, I would say, in order to do the thing. So like walking still requires, even though it's really, really tiny, got to put your shoes on. That's a little effort. So like you have to do the thing. You have to go do the workout. You have to go eat the vegetables. You got to calculate the calories. So it's like having the support and taking literally the smallest micro step.
1: Yeah.
2: Like Sometimes it's not even that your family couldn't help you, like your spouse or somebody couldn't help you because they want you to feel good. It's often because you won't take um, feedback from them. Yeah. In a way that would be useful, do you see what I'm so saying? True. It might yeah. sound critical coming from your spouse, the same thing that an uninterested party would say to you, and you wouldn't be able to hear it.
0: yeah, yeah, I think like the objectivity of it, mm-hmm. right? It's like you're looking at it as a third's eye view, a bird bird's eye view, you love the person you're helping, but mm-hmm. not on an intimate level. It's like you care for them and want their success is at the forefront of their minds, yeah, so. Yeah. Have you had experience with that, Kim? The uh, family and. Oh,
2: yeah, for sure. Like, I have to tell you, if there was something in my life that I needed a light shined on, like, hey, Kim, you're doing this thing and it's really not serving you, I would probably take direction about that way better from a coach or even one of you ladies. Not that we don't have a close relationship, than my husband telling me. We have too much water under the bridge with, you know, uh, history of, you know, being critical of one another or whatever. I would not be able to hear it from him. And receive it.
1: Yeah, Mm. yeah. That um, I I was dealing with the same thing too, Kim. Because I've talked about this before on the podcast. Pretty sure, like my core wounds, maybe my limiting belief, the reason why I would sabotage or do sabotage is I feel like I'm not good enough compared to other people. I'm not worthy of being seen or being heard. And you know, I was in a relationship for the past five years with someone who like everything he touches turns to gold (laughs) and is so successful in so many areas of his life. And I just felt like compared to him, I was like an inch tall, not because he made me feel that way. Um, I made myself feel that way. Or if we were out in public or with my family, you know, he would get so much attention because of just like the presence that he takes up in a room, um, you know, because of his excuse me, accomplishments and all that. And that was my issue. So he would try and give me business advice because he was doing all this work to learn stuff that I didn't really want to figure out. And he was constantly telling me what I should be doing. And I would get so defensive. I could not hear it. I would not hear it. And it caused so much like so many issues in the relationship and like you said Kim there was so much water under the bridge like mostly from how I felt again not because of him because of my own shit that I just I wasn't able to receive that feedback and it was it was very damaging to the relationship for sure yeah so that was a really good point you brought up yeah I think it's really telling that like
0: a lot of our a lot of our stuff, like, it just comes from other people, you know, like, the reason why we do sabotage, and it's, like, that person could love you, but maybe a comment they say, you may take it personally, and it's, like, they may not have meant it in malice or hate or anything other than what they said, but it's, like, I guess, I I don't know, for me, like, I definitely have made things mean something they don't, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I know, something I'm really practicing in my own relationship like with Kurt and he knows this um one of my core wounds is like not being good enough and that comes from my dad like being a perfectionist and being a workaholic and like having to go 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 and do 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 and like never doing enough and so like I think when Kurt doesn't want to hang out or like doesn't want to do something my first reaction is like he doesn't love me but like, I know that's not true, but deep down, like, it, it strikes that trigger, and I'm, like, why doesn't he want to, why doesn't he want to do this with me? Why doesn't he want to go on this trip? Why doesn't he want to, whatever, fill in the blank, and I'm, like, he doesn't love me, like, oh, my god, and then, like, the other side of me is, like, Sam, that's not what it means, like, don't make it mean that, just because that's how you felt with your dad, that is not, what he is saying or what he means at all. And so like I've had multiple conversations with Kurt, like just to be totally honest with you guys about this, because I'm like, if he says something, I'm like, I'm just letting you know this made me feel really unloved. And I know you don't not love me, but I need to tell you. And it's all good that you don't want to do whatever. But like I just don't feel good right now. And so I'm gonna go for a walk or like I'm gonna write about this because it's triggering me and it's getting me emotional and i have to work i have to work through it and so like i think like obviously like i'm very blessed to be to be with someone that like lets that holds a space for that and like lets me have that like kind of brain dump on him and not freak out and run away <laughs> but like i i don't think that's common you know to like have someone receiving that because like i i don't know i think maybe just our relationship started off really early and really like vulnerable that i was going through the sabotage It like the deepest sabotaging phase of my life when I met him, which Marcy knows. Like, uh, as she was kind of helping me get through it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, So, since we're being like super vulnerable here, (laughs) I will share something that happened to me recently. You know, I was just talking about my relationship, which I will be open and honest. uh, Ended a couple of weeks ago, and for some of the reasons that I just mentioned, and. I think I got into that relationship maybe a little bit too soon after coming out of a divorce and so already struggling, having been struggling with feelings of low self-worth, not good enough, and then this marriage ending, not having worked through that, and then immediately getting in, not immediately, but like soon after getting into this relationship with someone who just brought up all of my shit. (laughs) And when it ended, you know, I went and stayed with my parents for a little while and like you said, Sam, my core wound comes from my dad. Because it's like, I know he loves me, but he doesn't always show it in the best way. And I feel like he was never really interested in what I was doing, wouldn't really ask about me or what I had going on in my own life. But with my partners or my brother, he would always seem so interested. So it was just like, what is wrong with me that I am not worthy, deserving of his attention? Wow. And that- been so difficult. So it's like, it was almost like this relationship ending, um, or, you know, like taking a break, whatever, to kind of work on ourselves was one of the best things that could happen to me at this point, because it allowed me the opportunity to have this conversation with my dad that I have needed to have. And I have been putting off Sam, Sarah, you know, this for probably the past year because wow. he'd be very defensive. Like he doesn't really want to hear things. And I was so afraid of being shut down because he has tended to do that in the past. And I didn't really want to experience that. I didn't want to feel the trigger and get upset and hurt and, you know, like go through all that pain when I was already going through this pain. But we had a really good talk and he, I heard from him what I needed to hear from him for the past 25 years, (laughs) right? And so we kind of like, uncovered some stuff and I felt really good and then we were having a conversation a couple of nights ago and like he's not going to change overnight and it's funny that my parents and I were having this conversation and my dad was basically trying to like tell me how I feel put words in my mouth and I had to stand up for myself and be like well no that's not how I felt maybe eventually I felt like that but it wasn't like that at this point in time and my dad started getting defensive again, and I felt like I was getting triggered. And rather than just like throwing my hands up in the air and walking out of the room like I would have done in the past, I was able, because of all this inner work I'd done on myself, I was able to stay very calm and present and speak up for myself and say, no, like, please listen to me. I need to tell you this because it has been something that has been on my heart for pretty much, you know, since childhood. Yeah. and he was able to to listen and to apologize, and it was funny because <laughs> he he says people just people can't change, you know people they just can't change, and I said I really believe that they can, you know I'm evidence of that. <laughs> You're like I'm a coach for that reason, reason. <laughs> right? Um, but then you know finally he was like, okay, you know maybe maybe we can change, and even if we can't go back and fix the past at least we can start now repairing this relationship and making it what we want it to be. So amazing, yeah, like going back to what you were saying about, you know, taking that like small action. Yes, that is so powerful, but I almost think it starts with had like first journaling, Sarah can maybe talk about the journaling and just like getting all those thoughts out on paper, figuring out where these beliefs have come from And then having the hard conversations to go and, you know, talk with these people who maybe made you feel that way. And, and maybe you're not going to get out of it, like what you hope, but at least like you've cleaned up your side of the street and that weight can be lifted. And who knows, maybe it works out in a way where it is everything that you need to hear and you can fully, like you can finally start moving on with your life. And becoming this person that you want to be. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I think that,
0: uh, Sarah, before we kind of hop over to you, like part of like a really great thing that ends up happening if you work with a coach, right? Okay. It's like that core belief, what Marcy was talking about, ends up coming up because it will show up in every part of your life. And I think that's something I ask my clients when before I start working with them is like, where did you not feel loved or good enough or you know like where was that wound and let's talk about it before we start trying to reach a goal or else you will do things to sabotage yourself and so like having that hard conversation like Marcy talked about like I had to have the same conversation with my dad and it ended with him telling me like bawling his eyes out like at the age of 60 I've never seen this dude cry like my dad you would think he was in the military he's like like no bullshit I will fuck you up blah 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 like he's just so such a hard edge and um he just like broke down in tears telling me that he admitted he didn't feel good enough like he's never felt good enough his whole life and for him to say that to me like I was like oh my god so that's why I don't feel good enough like he passed he passed that on to me and then we had this really incredible conversation which now when he does something that pisses me off I don't like Marcy said, I don't run out of the room and be like, he's such a dick. I'm like, he is struggling. Like, and I kind of meet Mm -hmm. him with compassion because I know like for him, like growing up, he didn't, he, his parents never told him that they loved him. So he never felt good enough. And so I told him like, look, dad, I don't think you make me a priority. Like you, you, I feel like a nuisance. I feel like an inconvenience. I feel like I'm not good enough to be your fucking daughter. Like I try so hard and I work so hard and probably worked too much and I feel like you don't love me and he's like what like I love you so much are you serious I'm so proud of you and like he says all this stuff and I'm like yeah but your actions like don't match that and so we had this really I mean it was a hard conversation for sure but I think like once that can of words got opened now now like we have a relationship that's better than ever yeah there's still like stuff to work on but now I know like when he does something that really pisses me off like when he complains about something that i'm doing i'm like he's just in he's just struggling he's in pain it's not my problem it's not my issue like i stopped taking it personally because i know like i i'm doing the best i can and i feel like for him like he just he has stuff to work through still and i have to let him do that and and not make it mean like something it doesn't mean which is what i was talking about with the whole curve thing so yeah I get it. <laughs> yeah, everybody,
1: like give people compassion. Yes. Give everybody in your life who's hurting you compassion because we're all just doing the best we can with the resources and the level of awareness that we have access to at this time. Yeah. Yeah. So, love that. Yeah.
0: I um, love. Yeah. Sarah, let's hop over to you. What's uh maybe share some of your experiences and and we can dive into the journaling and awareness too. Yeah. Wow.
3: Well, so, I mean, the The biggest thing I think that the whole world actually needs is to become more self-aware because none of us would have been able to make any of the breakthroughs that we have all had um, without actually starting to turn around and ask ourselves questions so that we can understand ourselves. little bit more or in the case of kind of our clients you know for them it's us asking them the questions that nobody has ever asked them before Um, and yeah it's difficult and sometimes it takes you going to a level of honesty that you have never gone to before and sometimes it stings but it is honestly the only way to start kind of moving forward and changing patterns in your life and and you have to embrace the fact that we all experience all the full range of human emotions and quite a lot of human emotions feelings are very very uncomfortable and until you can get comfortable sitting in all of these feelings that perhaps you have spent running from for years and years then self sabotage will always keep popping up because you know feelings if you're not dealing with, if, you, if you're not dealing with your feelings or understanding the message that they are trying to tell you and they are you are basically crushing them down by binge eating or binge drinking or you know um avoiding asking questions because you don't like the feelings that they bring up then it just leaves you in this stuck cycle of kind of, you know, never really breaking free of anything, but it is not comfortable and it's not easy and it is a constant, a constant process. But that is why the writing side of things is just so important because unless you get stuff out onto paper And actually start to gain some kind of different perspective on what is going on in your head. What happens is those thoughts, just like whatever they are, they just attach and just go completely out of control. And like Sam was saying, you know, you start making things mean something that they just don't. And quite often you then attach a whole load of other stories to them, which leave you to then go, well, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. So I am just going to give up and I'm going to go and self-sabotage to try and make myself feel better about everything. So you have to deal with the real things that are going on underneath the the bonnet. And writing, I would say, is the very first step and and the easiest step that you can take like starting from tomorrow morning you can open your journal tomorrow morning or a piece of paper tomorrow morning and literally don't think about it just spill all of the random thoughts that are in your head just write them all down it doesn't matter about the grammar no one else is going to see this you don't need to like hold anything back and just go for it and see see what comes up and just start to kind of have a look at what's going on in your head. And I bet you any money, when you start reading some of it back, you'll be like, what? That makes no sense. Why would I even think that? I know that's not true. But you have to get that different perspective. Yeah. Sarah, what do you say to the person that doesn't want to do that because they don't want to face it? Doesn't want to face what? Their own shit? I would ask them, yeah. what are they scared
1: of? Mm.
2: And what is the alternative? Like if you're not going to yeah. are you happy with what's happening now? Yeah. Are you okay with continuing to chase your tail?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's getting to the real root. So just turn you know what, because if somebody's refusing to, so if somebody's approached me for help and then they're not doing the thing that I'm saying, this is going to be something that helps you. Then that to me just screams, there's, you're scared of something, there's something there that is telling you that this is dangerous. Yeah. That's what we need to get to the root of is what what is that? Yeah. And it's generally in that scenario, because I have had it with people, people are scared of what they're going to write down. Yeah. They're scared. Yeah. I was so scared the first time.
0: Actually was like, okay, I'm going to write in my journal, even though I don't want to do it. And everyone's like, write in your journal. I'm like, fuck journaling. (laughs) Like the first time I'm like, I was like hyperventilating <laughs> but also I went into it like this needs to be perfect I have to get on all my feelings oh yes you know it's so perfect. maybe you can touch upon that like not having a goal for the journaling
3: other than no. just, just kind of like just know? letting it just letting it all go I actually had a, one of my clients last week she went out and she contacted me the next day and she was like something really weird happened last night um she's kind of at the beginning of her kind of self-aware journey and she was like i had a glass of wine and i had some popcorn just because i felt i should and she was like i wasn't hungry and i didn't really want it so i was like okay well let's let's go into this like so i gave her some questions to Um, go and answer like in her journal I think the questions were something like um, why did I feel I should and then what would have happened if I hadn't or shouldn't I can't remember exactly how I worded it so she went away and she did all of the journaling and it was the most interesting um, conclusion because The reason that she had done it was for a completely, a reason that she would never ever have come to unless she'd written all of her kind of thought process down was that basically she wanted to show people that she could afford to buy the wine and the popcorn and also to to show that she could do what she wanted because she was an adult. Because as a child... She, this, this, this had not, this had not been something that had been like, you know, she'd always been told what to do. Mm. And so there was this kind of connection between all of these subconscious thoughts and beliefs going on. And now her in a, her adulthood, this was still playing out in this way, which was essentially a, sab- you know, her sabotaging because she, she didn't want the wine. She didn't want the popcorn. She wasn't even hungry. Do you yeah. know what I mean? But it was like, like, what happened was it? Yeah. 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 And so, you know, the awareness around the writing, she was like, okay, well, now I can see exactly. Because when you go through that process, you come, you come to these, like, conclusions. And then she was like, for the rest of the, since she discovered it, she's been really, like, every time she's had that thought process pop in, I feel I should. She's like, do I really feel I should? Or is there something else going on here? Right. Yeah. I think what you said about the brain dump, too, like,
0: I think journaling gets a bad rap. At least I had the perspective of it as being like this holy grail of a, a tool. And I didn't really understand it. Like, why do I have to write? Like, can I just work on it? You know, like, can I just try harder? And once I realized why writing actually matters, I started doing it. Because I think without the logical, like, science-based background of it, I was like, why am I going to write? Like, I could go be doing, I, I could go Like work and do things. Like, you know, my tendency is like, go do, do, do. I'm like, I don't have time to slow down and write about my feelings. (laughs) And I think a lot of people feel that way. They're like, I don't have the time to write about my.
2: 100%. I totally get that.
0: So the reason why it's so important is because writing, like pen to paper, pencil to paper, is the only thing that changes your brain chemicals, like neuroplasticity, the concept of your brain firing different neurons. So when you write stuff down, like when you make a to-do list, right? Or like, have you guys ever studied for a test and you take notes and then you remember it a lot better because you took the notes? That's not like a coincidence. That's actually because you are programming it into your mind. And so when you say something, it comes out of your mouth into air. It does not stay anywhere. It does not become a physical object. It goes into space. When you write something down, it becomes way more real And it actually prompts the first rewiring of that thought. So if Sarah was talking about her client, right, the one that was like trying to prove something and she wrote all this down, she could then start talking about what she wants to do the next time. So when she goes out to eat or hangs out with friends, she does not have to drink wine or eat popcorn to feel good enough to be there or to prove her worth. She can just go and know that she already is enough. But like that requires the practice. So I think, like, when, when you can understand, like, why you're doing the things that you're doing, you're more likely to do them. And so when I realized, like, oh, fuck, like, writing is the only way to do that, which is why people talked about journaling so much, but they never talked about why you had to journal, I was like, okay, I'm going to write things down. And it's crazy, like, for me anyways, I don't know about you guys, but, like, whenever I do take the time to write stuff down, which I do it every morning, but every time like i have a little resistance towards doing it And when i do it i'm like oh i'm so happy i did that like i feel so good like i just feel lighter and i've kind of worked through the crap in my head and it just makes me feel better like do you guys get that same resistance towards writing or is it just me or
3: no i do i, I don't get the resistance i just get a high off writing <laughs> <laughs>
2: absolutely resist it. It feels like a lot of work to have to think through it and face it and, yeah. 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 What about you, Mars?
1: Yeah. I think for a long time it was just not knowing exactly what to write. So I started getting more into journaling uh, from Nicole, the holistic psychologist, because she had a really nice prompt. Yeah. And it was just that, like, low barrier to entry where it may not have been perfect, but at least it was something, right? Um, and when I kind of got out of the habit of that, because I started a really like bougie skincare routine, <laughs> <It took laughs> 20 minutes. Pri- priorities, people. All right, um, and it you took like twenty minutes again. Like, well, one thing's got to go, so it's going to be journaling. Um, <laughs> but, shit. Um, so I kind of, um, yeah, like I need to get back in the habit, but not like kind of feeling like I was done with that prompt. And now at this point, like, oh, what do I need to write next? And so that's like where the resistance will come in for me. Not that I don't want to do it. It's just like, I feel like there's so much I could write. Where do I even start? Um, But I'm doing some manifestation work. Sam and I did a podcast about that last week. And there are some really good prompts in there that I'm gonna start using. So yeah.
0: I think like I I guess maybe I've taken some of the pressure off myself because I was doing the holistic psychologist prompt too at the start. And then I felt like it was too rigid for me. Like I didn't always have shit to say. So now yeah. it's like I I have a a pretty concrete, like structured morning routine with my writing, but it's not around journaling. It's like my my gratitude list my affirmations if i need to remind myself of things for that day, my to-do list and then if anything's popping up or if anything happened the day before that triggered me like the other day like i totally had an episode of like eating not because of hunger straight up because out of habit. Sunday nights have always been a night that like you know facing the mondays and like oh my god and so like i would eat i would stress eat and I did that on Sunday and in the morning I woke up feeling like shit and I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Like, I was so frustrated with myself. So I wrote it down and I was like, why did I do this? I was like trying to think of like, you know, tying things together. And when I realized it was like, it's just a habit. It's not, it, it wasn't even, um, it wasn't anything other than just what I had always done. And so I just have to now think of Sunday nights as, oh, maybe I go for a walk or I read or I do something else. Or I plan my day very structured the way I plan my Monday through Saturday. Sundays was like my free-for-all day and it ended up turning into a free-for-all. So it's like once you have the awareness, which is that first step that we were talking about, it's like then kind of understanding like what do you want to change and then just practicing it. And I think that's really like the three steps for for overcoming sabotage is awareness of the thing you're doing, what you want to change, And then making a game plan to change it and just keep practicing and practicing and practicing and, and like not feeling like you have to like do it because it's like you're gonna mess up. And I don't know, I still, I still fuck up so much. It's sometimes (laughs) like, why do I keep messing this up? Like, it's so, why is it so hard for me to like learn this lesson? (laughs) But I don't know. Sometimes I guess it's just like certain things, like you just really gotta,
3: gotta do it. Yeah. Yeah, you really got to manage him. Yeah, I think our own sabotage would probably be a full other personal sabotage. Probably be another podcast. <laughs> <I know. laughs>
0: well, it just goes to show, you guys, like we, like we all do it, you know, and it's okay. But at the end of the day, like how much it's gonna be okay, you know, like it's okay that you do it, but it doesn't have to be forever. Like Marcy always says, uh, "You have the power to change your story at any time." Amen. Very very right.
1: powerful. Amen. You know, and just you know, be be compassionate with yourself because like Sam just said and we can all resonate with this, I'm sure, even though we've done a lot of work to overcome those self-sabotaging tendencies, it doesn't mean that we are completely immune to it and we don't that it doesn't creep in and before we started recording, we were all going around and talking about ways in which we still sabotage. So we do it too. We're not perfect. So just be, be gentle with yourself. It's a process. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: And I think maybe um, some, some homework that we'll put in the Facebook group is some questions you can ask yourself around this. Um, Where you notice sabotage showing up in your life. Um, Where do you procrastinate? Where do you people please? Like, are you talking negatively to yourself? Are you waiting for the perfect time? Are you not setting the boundaries you need to set? Are you not making a plan for your goals? Like, does your environment suck like there's so many things that you're probably doing maybe unaware or, or or aware that you could start working on, so we'll leave some some prompts in the Facebook group for you guys to just kind of have some actionable takeaways in order to break out of that cycle because I think we all know how much it sucks to feel stuck you know it's, mm-hmm. it's not a good space yeah yes. so anyone have any last rega- warming? What am I trying to say here? Anyone (laughs) any? Who knows?
3: Who knows? Are you you sabotaging the end of this podcast? Yeah. What's going on (laughs) (laughs)
2: here? I don't know
3: how to air it out with.
2: (laughs) Sabotage. Um. I think that's a great ending. Yeah, I think
0: so too. Wasn't even staged. All right, you guys. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of your experiences and your clients as well. I hope you I hope you all found this helpful and um be on the lookout for the prompt in the Facebook group. And we look forward to catching you on the next episode.
2: Love you you Bye. Bye. All right,
0: that wraps up another episode of the Decades of Strength podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. We know that life is crazy and time is precious, and we really do appreciate you spending your time with us.
3: If you love this podcast, please subscribe, review, and rate it on iTunes. Tag us in your stories on Instagram. Send this to your friends. Please, please, please just tell everyone about it. We are determined to have the biggest and the most inclusive community of women sitting at the picnic table together.
1: We love you. We appreciate you. And we can't wait to hear what you think of this week's episode. Four women, one mission.
2: We are the decades of strength. Sam, Marcy, Sarah, and Kim. Catch you right back here for our next episode.